football. It is a good problem to have. And in my latest 53-man roster projection, I did something I didn't think I'd ever do. I had the Giants keep an eight wide receivers, <laughs> and I still think that's one shy of what they need. Is that unheard uh, of? So, yeah. It's got to be unheard there's of. There's going to be good players getting cut. That's got. Has an NFL team ever kept eight wideouts, Dan? I'm sure they have, especially in the modern NFL. I don't know any off the top of my head, um, and like I didn't, I didn't want to do that. But you know, it was such a drastic problem for the Giants last year, especially late in the season, doing that shuffle, picking guys up off the street, and trying to piece things together. You'd much rather be on the other side of it um, than they were last year. <laughs> Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with my good buddy, Dan Benton. It's the Giants Wire podcast. We're powered by the USA Today Network, and you can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. So please do that. We appreciate you, and we're excited to be doing the show for another season of Giants football. Dan, how you doing, my man? It's good to have a game to actually break down and talk about, right? Instead of all the other crap that we pull out of our backsides during the uh, offseason. You, you know as well as I do that it never really slows down, but it is more fun to break down actual football games. So it's kind of bizarre that we're already headed into week two of the preseason. It feels like we were just getting done wrapping up a, a playoff game not that long ago, and here we are, you know, uh, a couple weeks removed from the regular season where we get to reset and do it all again. But, uh, yeah, still early in the preseason right now. It does go, f- go quickly, however, but uh we definitely got some stuff to break down as far as actual play on the field uh rookies and things like that and that's always exciting it's not like a lot of the key players played in that preseason game but there's still so much to break down i think it starts with kind of the rookies right uh a lot of these guys played a lot a lot of them flashed did any any player in particular stand out to you dan in, in terms of like the rookies you know we were really anticipating seeing what john michael schmitz would look like at center he got he got some good work. Uh, obviously, the the corners, uh, Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins have been get, getting a ton of pub, and they seem to be playing really well. Anyone stand out to you in particular from that preseason game? Well, I, th- I think I took notice of all, all the rookies, really. But as far as the standouts, you, you mentioned it. You know, JMS had a what I thought was a pretty stellar game. I thought um, seventh-round defensive tackle. Jordan Riley kind of really flew under the radar. I know he didn't necessarily receive high grades from pro football focus, but you know, that's, that's their opinion. I don't, I don't particularly agree with their assessment on his play. I thought he, uh, he played, you know, particularly well. Um, Brian Boldinger kind of agreed with our assessment on that and, and highlighted him during a, a recent Baldy breakdown. And I think that speaks more, you know, speaks volumes in, in comparison to the PFF grade. So I'll leave that where it is. Um, thought the, uh, the cornerbacks, the rookie cornerbacks played well. I've been, you know, increasingly impressed with Trey Hawkins. We talked about it on this show shortly after the draft. He, you know, he came in, he joined the Giants um, with an, an unbelievable athletic profile and the top percentile of all, you know, cornerbacks throughout draft history, at least dating, dating back several decades now. The belief was that he, he was underdeveloped and, you know, his, his learning curve was going to be a bit steep. That has proven not to be the case. We'll, we'll get, you know, further into that later in the show. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's quiet night, maybe wasn't as significant as some people have made it out to be, you know, the lions after getting torched by him a few times in joint practices, made sure that, you know, they were putting extra guys on him so he could beat him over the top. And I I think that, you know, is something extremely noteworthy, you know, for the rookies first ever NFL debut that he's already drawing double and triple teams down the field. So, you know, maybe that's something the giants, you know, can look forward to in the regular season, leaving some other guys open. 
some of the undrafted, you know, rookie free agents like Bryce Ford Wheaton, who, again, crazy athletic profile, but unlike Hawkins, can't doesn't seem to be putting it together. Um, kind of damaged his opportunity and his chance to to get on the the 53 man roster at a deep position. And you know some of the other guys that they picked up after the draft didn't play particularly well either. So you know there was a lot of good, there was some bad uh, as far as the rookies go. And the same really applied to you know the other veterans that are on the bubble. So there was there was a lot to to absorb for the Giants. But overall, I thought it was good. The loss side, I, th- I thought many of them played well. And you could see where there would be improvements and better play if the, you know there was actual game planning done ahead of the game itself. But you know for the rookies to dive in and play that well, that's that's encouraging. Jordan Riley is an interesting one. You guys were all over him on on Giants Wire, and anyone, any player or coach, Wink Martindale had comments about Jordan Riley as well uh, after the pra- one of the practices this week. It just seems like whenever somebody gets a chance to talk about Riley, they say good things. They think he's going to help the team, right? And you guys wrote about right after the game, you wrote about how he was eating up numbers along the offensive line. So basically that when you when you're saying that, you just mean he couldn't be blocked by one guy in the yeah, game day. Yeah. He he was he was he was absorbing multiple blockers and and that's that's when he wasn't actually just tossing them away from from him like ragdolls cuz he broke a few blocks and stayed right in this gap where he was supposed to. Um it, it was really savvy veteran high football IQ play from a guy who was making his NFL debut. So yeah, when he wasn't eating up the the double teams, he was he was tossing guys to the side and just filling gaps. And you know, for a guy who's that big a bodied, and um, you know, to get him in the seventh round, you know, credit to the Giants and, and Joe Shane. That does appear to be a, a pretty solid find at a position that the Giants needed. Yeah, I'm really excited about the Giants' defensive line uh, and the depth there. The offensive line, I'm a little. Um, <laughs> it's a yeah. it's an ongoing theme with the Giants, but it's a little. Sketchy, right? Because it's not like we saw all the starters, obviously. No. But when you guys put out your article on, you know, some of the grades, you guys did your stock up, stock down. Obviously, Wyatt Davis and Corey Cunningham were on were on your uh, stock down list, I believe. Uh, it just when you see the guys competing to be reserve offensive linemen, the depth guys struggling the way they did, Dan. Uh, it's just not a good feeling, is it? No, and it's especially concerning. And then, listen, I know a lot of people are gonna kind of dismiss that because obviously the Giants did not play many of their starters. Don Michael Smith's notwithstanding, Ben Bredesen notwithstanding, um, and and even some of the reserves like Tyree Phillips didn't play due to injury. So you were kind of, you know, pulling further down on on the depth chart in in terms of who was playing there. But Corey Cunningham currently is listed as a primary reserve behind Andrew Thomas. And it wasn't just that he was getting beat. It was that he was getting beat in the third and fourth quarter against guys who in a few weeks, no disrespect to them, aren't going to be on NFL teams. Selling insurance, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that cannot be your primary reserve at left tackle um, if he's getting beat by guys who are soon to be street-free agents and may never resume their NFL career again. Wyatt Davis, I kind of give a little bit more of a pass to because because of the injuries he was thrust in at tackle, which is in his natural position. I don't think he had ever played tackle before. So him getting beat, isn't quite as glaring as some of the other guys who were getting beat, but it still wasn't a good performance because it shows you if the Giants are just even slightly dinged up, they've got some serious, serious problems as far as depth along the offensive line, but you know, in particular at offensive tackle. Can Nacho turn around and play some offensive line? Maybe, you know, like I'm we can, sure, can we sure borrow he'd be willing to do it if he was asked, <laughs> can we, can we borrow some guys? Yeah. So I just, yeah. y- you can't help but bring up the O-line play. I think another thing that was interesting when we're talking about Deontay Banks and Trey Hawkins and the way they look, uh, 
we mentioned Wink Martindale and how he had some interesting comments. Dan, I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot of competition. Competition. How many times did Wink say competition during that press conference? I think. Well, yeah, it could be a drinking game. uh, And uh, Mike Kafka to that and make a drinking game out of it and you'll make it through about 10 minutes of press conference. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we could do that. We could have a contest where that's a drinking game and someone writes an article for Giants Wire after uh, after the game and we can see how legible it is. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I'd like to see that. (laughs) What's interesting is that Banks and Hawkins Wink is basically telling us, yeah, they're our best corners along with Adoree Jackson, and they're, they're going to start. And the question is, where are they going to start? And there's a li- at least some chatter about Jackson sliding inside, right, to slot, which makes more which makes sense because if you're going to put your rookies out there, putting them on the outside, right, they probably have a better chance of surviving, at least early in the season out there, than they would just throwing them in the slot. That's a really tough position to play. Adoree Jackson could probably handle it. We know he can. Uh, but what do you think about that? Like Wink telling us, yeah, these two rookies, they're two of our best guys. They're going to play. It's basically them and Adoree. And the chatter with Adoree maybe sliding inside, Dan. What do you think about that? You know, listen, I, I'm trusting Wink. You know what I mean? Like whether you're a fan, you're media, you cover the team, you're you're into it, you're not, whatever the case may be. Just trust in Wink. The guy seems to know what he's talking about. But again, I, I was high on Trey Hawkins because of his athletic profile coming out of the draft. I thought there was a lot there. I didn't necessarily know that it would be, you know, the level of first year impact it's heading towards right now. Um, but when you have a guy who's that talented and willing to play, you know, man coverage, that that's a staple of what Wink Martindale does defensively. So, you know, no, it doesn't come as any kind of shock to me that they're kind of leading the field right now and, and Adoree moving inside. They're going to bounce around no matter what their titles are anyway when that first official depth chart comes out. These guys are going to be moving all over the place. There's going to be times where Hawkins and Banks are inside at nickel, and there's going to be times where, you know, Adoree Jackson is, is outside the cornerback. There's going to be times where linebackers are covering, safeties are covering, where there's cornerbacks out, you know, in the back end of the secondary. And, you know, it's always all kinds of crazy when it comes to Wink Martindale. But I think the increased versatility and flexibility uh, being added to the resume of Adoree Jackson can only be a good thing for both him and the team. And again, it allows them to mix and match a little bit more, which, you know, helps the Giants when you look at their depth, uh, because it's again, it's it's like the offensive line. It's kind of lacking in the secondary a little bit there. So um, having that versatility, being able to move those guys around, I think it's a good thing. I think Adoree Jackson, you know, bringing his he does gamble occasionally and he will get beat, but largely he's kind of a lockdown guy. Um, I think that works well in the slot. Um, there will be obviously some growing pains on the outside for for Banks and Hawkins when they go up against someone like AJ Brown. It's not going to be it's not going to be quite that easy on the outside when you're going up against someone like that. But, right. Um, yeah, I like kind of where they're at in terms of their development, what it means for the Giants, and I like Wink Martindale's confidence when he's asked about it. He says it's not a Pepto-Bismol needing situation. He feels perfectly comfortable with it and then you got to take him at his word because, you know, if he wasn't comfortable with it, that's not the way that they would be trending right now. Um, so that's that's great for the Giants to have these two rookies playing that well. It's a shame that the Giants can't get more out of some of their other guys at quarterback deeper down the roster like Radarius Williams and players like that who did flash briefly early on in their careers but kind of seem to be fading rather than gaining. Yeah, Wink is uh... – He's kind of refreshing, isn't he, Dan? Like you can ask him, the reporters, they, they'll ask him about specific players and he'll give you his honest take on each player yeah. individually. And Dayball's well, kind I of cut from the, the, whole, it's the whole coaching staff. You heard, yeah. you heard us say it, you know, last week we were talking about it and we talked about it last year too. Like the Giants are transparent. They, they just are transparent. And I know 
after years of, of like Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman and even, you know, even Jer- the Jerry Reese years when he was GM before, um, you know, there was always like this game where you had to read between the lines. And I think everybody kind of anticipates and expects that from these Giants. But, you know, Wink is being honest. Shane, Dayball, they're all being honest. They're just they're transparent group. And it is refreshing to hear Wink a- answer questions directly when he's asked. No, that's that's exa- you just you just like the light bulb just turned off for me listening to you, Dan, because that's what it is, because Joe Judge would talk and we'd be like, what the hell did I just listen to? But you're right. These guys, they do. They tell you exactly uh, how it is. And, uh, you know, Joe Shane would, would come right out during the Saquon Barkley stuff and be like, hey, it's just business. It's not personal, blah, blah, blah. You keep saying that line. Uh, we love Saquon, but this is business and we're going to try to do what's best for the Giants and he's going to do what's best for him. And uh, you're right. That's totally what it is. But and speaking of Shane, I actually wanted to get into him a little bit uh, because we know there's an article on Giants Wire as well about Xavier McKinney. He's obviously next in line, probably first in line for the, for the next contract extension. Uh, but he told us he uh, or it was a Shane who told the radio station uh, WFAN that they're going to pick this up in the offseason. Right. So that just got me thinking, OK, yeah. so if if. We're going to push McKinney's situation to the offseason, which is fine. Well, we still have Saquon Barkley. Just mentioned him. We still have Leonard Williams. And we were just talking about Adoree Jackson. He's another one who has a kind of an intriguing contract situation where he's got a void year in 2024. So he'll be up, Dan. And if he has a, another really good season in uh, Wink's system, he could have a really good market. So is, is this like Joe Shane saying he's going to invite Leonard Williams, Xavier McKinney, Adoree Jackson, and Saquon over to his house for a spaghetti dinner and, and talk contracts with all four of them. That's a lot of work to get done in the offseason. I mean, it's big names. There's no doubt about it. I don't know if it's any more work than than it, than it would be, you know, if, if the names weren't so big. But I, I think Shane kind of proved that he's capable of juggling all these things this past offseason because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't particularly easy for him. He was dealing with, the, you know, the Saquon Barkley situation, the Daniel Jones contract, the Dexter Lawrence contract. And, you know, there was some others that were mixed in there that weren't, you know, quite as big names and premier players as those were. But, um, you know, I think a lot of these guys, too, and we talked about it as we were preparing for the show, a lot of them are coming off of injury seasons. Like Adoree Jackson got hurt. Granted, it was fluke on a punt return where he shouldn't have ever been in the first place. But that's a debate for a different day. <laughs> Leonard Williams was banged up last year. Saquon obviously was healthy. That's an entirely different situation. Uh, but there are reasons for them to hold off. Xavier McKinney had that unfortunate bye week accident where he busted his fingers up and still kind of dealing with that, although, you know, closer to 100%. Not sure he'll ever actually be 100% again, but, you know, he's getting closer to it. So I can understand the wait and see kind of approach to some of those guys. Um, I can't imagine a scenario where they let Leonard Williams go and, and divorce him from Dexter Lawrence. I think those guys are just way too good inside to to be doing that unless it's, you know, he goes out and has another injury plague season or any of these guys have another injury plague season, but it is a lot of work to do, but obviously the giants have, well, you know, who knows, maybe they won't have so much time in the off season this year if they continue their, tra- their current trajectory, but either way there should be a few weeks in there between the end of their season, if not a few months in between the end of their season and free agency to work on those guys. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think, I think a lot of people on the outside looking in, tend to forget that Adoree Jackson is still relatively young and he kind of feels like an aged veteran, but he, he's got plenty of tread left on the tires. We touched on that at the Giants wire this week. And, um, you know, if he comes out and plays well with those two rookie cornerbacks and none of these other guys step up, it would be hard to let him walk 
next year too. It's hard to see, see a scenario where really any of those four guys are allowed to walk, but you know, we've seen crazier things play out, but the good news is the Giants should have plenty of money and plenty of time to fix those things next off season. Yeah. Dory is a, he's an interesting situation. He, he is on the right side of 30. Um, and again, he could just, he could have a real market and don't want to mess around too much, but we know yeah. Joe Shane, Joe Shane's going to, He's going to go take him out behind the woodshed and slap him around a little bit in the negotiations, Dan. He's not just going to, you know, just, <laughs> you know how Shane is at the table, the negotiating table. Yeah, he's tough. Yeah. It's, it yeah, tends to take tough. a lot of time. He's tough. There's no doubt about it. It's going to come down to whether or not, you know, they, it's going to come down to whether or not they're, let's be honest, it's going to come down to whether or not their agents are honest with them. Because what we saw this, this past offseason is, is those who had an honest agent with their finger on the pulse of the market got good deals. And those who didn't, not naming any names, didn't. So I, I think that's another thing to watch going into to, into the next offseason is to see uh, where those markets are, where those guys fall within the market, and how realistic their agents and representation is. And, and speaking of uh, Joe Shane taking Leonard Williams out behind the woodshed and slapping him around during negotiations, actually, I don't think he would win that battle. <laughs> Leonard's a pretty big boy compared to Joe Shane. But you you did the same to me, Dan. Yeah. You, basically, you basically slapped me around with a wet noodle because last week on the show, I asked you about Sterling Shepard. I said, hey, man, wide receiver room's crowded. Is Shepard really going to make the team? Is he on the bubble like I'm seeing in some of these other reports? And you just basically said, Ryan, please, please, come on. Uh, and it seems like uh, Shepard's back uh, at practice uh, tearing things up, right? He looks good. Put on a little shake and bake on, uh, on Trey Hawkins I saw on Giants Wire. It was a silly route, just a silly move, just shook him right out of his shoes. And and that's what Shepard brings to the Giants when he's healthy. I know people want to, you know, point to the fact that he's had a lot of injuries over the past several seasons. And listen, there's no denying that. Uh, but when he's healthy and he's playing, there's no better route runner on the team. There's no better receiver on the team, no better position, the possession receiver on the team, no better chemistry with Daniel Jones, no better experience in, within the team and the system and the organization and the city. I mean, Shepard is all things Giants, and I thought it was preposterous then when people said he was on the bubble. I remain in that camp right now. I think it's preposterous that anybody thinks he still is on the bubble. And all you got to do is is watch some of his routes he's running in practice, and you see what he brings to the table. Our good friend Eli Penny, who we love very much on this show, actually just tweeted this morning that Shepard is the coldest route runner that he's ever seen in his entire life. So that tells you all you need to know about what he brings to the table. Yeah, we know Daniel Jones loves him too. So um, oh, yeah. that that always helps. How can you not? How yeah, can you not? yeah. No, he's he's a good one. So yeah, it does feel like uh, Shep is a, a lock. So I want to get maybe your take on just where the wide receiver room stands. That competition, Dan, stands um, this week after the Lions game because this is a you know an ongoing situation where uh, you know you guys. I think it was John on Giants Wire wrote about uh, it's a good problem to have, but there are going to be good players that don't make the yeah. team. Colin Johnson leaving with the knee injury feels like a, a tough situation for him because he was in a competition for one of those spots. But I think this could either put him on the practice squad or, or on the IR, Dan, right? They could try to stash him uh, on the IR, Colin Johnson. You got the two veterans, Cole Beasley and Jamison Crowder. They were both good. They both look good out there. Uh, so they're probably battling for one spot, but... I don't know who looked better between the two. They both looked fine to me. So any any more clarity on that situation right now coming out of that game? I think the only clarity that you have right now coming out of the game is that uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton probably not battling. Yeah, that, three-man that ball off the chest, uh, it was a tough visual. Yeah, 
Yeah, so he's uh he's he's looking at practice squad, so you kind of remove one name. And I think that's honestly all that you got out of this past game is that they remove one name. I wouldn't even remove Colin Johnson yet because Dayball did say that he doesn't believe that it's a long-term injury. He didn't say when he'll be back, uh, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be out for any extended period of time. So I don't know that I don't think there was any actual clarity that was added uh, over the week one of the preseason other than Ford Wheaton likely headed to the practice squad. If anything else, I think it got cloudier because, you know, Jalen Hyatt's, you know, non-productive day, notwithstanding due to the, you know, the aforementioned double coverage and such. Uh, he's going to make the team anyway. Obviously, they're not going to risk putting him on the practice squad Definitely. or anything like yes. that. Uh, Beasley and Crowder played. They both played really well. Like, there's no other way to put it. They both played really well. Cole Beasley showed that even though he's relatively new to the offensive system, he's still entirely capable of being that possession receiver who can find the sticks on, on key third downs. Um, you know, Darius Slayton's going to be a lock. Shepard, I think, is a lock. Campbell, obviously a lock. Hodgins, who looked good in the you know, few reps that he had, is obviously a lock. Uh, Wendell Robinson, he's not back off a of pup yet. That could come today, could come tomorrow. Who knows? You know, Joe Shane did say it, it seems like it's right around the corner. So they're very crowded at wide receiver. And like John said in that article, it is a good problem to have. And in my latest 53-man roster projection, I did something I didn't think I'd ever do. I had the Giants keep at eight wide receivers, <laughs> and I still think that's one shy of what they need. Is that unheard uh, of? So yeah, it's got. That's got to be unheard of. Be good players getting cut. That's got. Has an NFL team ever kept eight wideouts, Dan? I'm sure they have, especially in the modern NFL. I don't know any off the top of my head, um, and like I didn't, I didn't want to do that, but you know, it was such a drastic problem for the Giants last year, especially late in the season doing that shuffle, picking guys up off the street and trying to piece things together. You'd much rather be on the other side of it um, than they were last year, which is where they seem to be this year. So, you know, it's tough because you've, you've got numbers games at other positions like inside linebacker or reserve along the offensive line in the secondary where you kind of want to carry that extra number or two. But there's just so many good players and you never know what's going to happen. And you've got a lot of guys with some, you know, injury histories here and, and just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's the direction the giants and Shane will go. It's the direction that I went in the last 53 man roster. It's the first time in 20 years that I've been doing this, that I've ever projected <laughs> eight wide receivers on the wow. roster, but that's, that's where the giants are right now. All right. So give me, give me the last two. Cause it seems like the, the six are the, the six locks right now, Hodgin, Slayton, Campbell, Wandale, Hyatt, Shepard, those are the six locks. So who's the who's the other two on your projected 53 right now, Dan, as we stand? Uh, how did I have it? I had, I had Colin Johnson not making it, which was a tough cut. So I had Hodgins, Hyatt, uh, Campbell, Beasley, Crowder, Robinson, Slayton, and Shepard. Okay, so both Beasley and Crowder. I, I couldn't bring myself to cut you. I have a feeling one of them is going to go, but that's just a gut. That's just a gut feeling. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be Beasley. I really don't think it's going to be Beasley. And the, the challenge with Crowder is that he's such a good special teams player. Yeah. And like Thomas McGahee said during his press conference this week, they have to carry veteran leadership in the special teams room. They can't only carry young guys. There has to be that veteran special teams leadership there. And I don't think there's any more valuable special teams leadership from a veteran on this team than Jameson Crowder. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Crowder's probably the guy. I would I wouldn't be surprised if Dayball. I think he's got a relationship with Beasley, probably from their time in Buffalo, where he could be like, "Hey, man, like we're gonna cut you, but you know, stay by the phone because if we need you, we're gonna bring you right back." Uh, something like that. It, Beasley feels like he's close to retiring. 
You know what I mean? Like, well, he did retire in the offseason and then came back. But the thing is, is like, there again, and I don't think there's any kind of behind the scenes handshake agreements that the Giants do very. You know, I love those, but I, I I know you do. But I don't think Beasley would have joined this team if he didn't believe that there was a very legitimate shot that he would make the roster. He didn't join the Giants last year because he didn't want to join the practice squad. So the fact that he would come in and join the Giants this offseason leads me to believe that, you know that he has a very legitimate chance to make the 53 man roster. And quite frankly, if you, you know why, after watching him play, I was skeptical at first, but after watching him last week, I thought, you know, this guy brings a serious need to the giants as far as a clutch veteran receiver, who's a good possession guy and can make big plays on, on third down. And I know that, you know, that Shepard did that last year. It was Richie James that filled that role and the giants don't really necessarily have that this year as far as that, that guaranteed third down possession receiver outside of Beasley. So again, it's, it's a hard decision the Giants and Shane are going to have to make, but ultimately I think it's Colin Johnson who really fits the mold of that true number one in terms of size and build on the outside that we've all clamored for for the past several months that, that may not be the guy who makes it. I know, I know, and he's just such a different body type in terms of who they yeah. have in that room that it, it would be painful if he doesn't make the team or if they did have to stash him because of an injury or whatever. But yeah, no, to those listening, uh, I keep trying to get Dan to engage in the conjecture, the secret handshakes uh, and stuff like that. You just, you just won't bite on it, Dan. I keep trying, but you just won't go there. We're transparent, just, man. Yeah. Just, you, yeah. You, I, we all, I think we all agree. We're all beginning to agree that these guys are transparent. Yeah. So. You just, you might as well be on the giant staff. I, I got to keep working on you. You just will not play ball on those secret <laughs> handshakes. You know, I, and, and, and for those who haven't listened to the last podcast yet, I, I have a theory that, Joe Shane and Saquon have a secret handshake that he will not get franchised again. Um, and it wasn't put in writing, but Dan doesn't believe that. Uh, it's not the first time you don't believe something I've come up with, Dan. So, uh, all right. So how about this? Do you believe Brian Dayball when he says he anticipates DJ playing some in the preseason? Because my theory, Dan, is it would have to be this Friday night uh, in the next preseason game. It's home against the Panthers night game. That would be a good little tune up type situation. And uh, I don't feel we only play three preseason games now. And then there's that week off before the regular season. I, I nobody plays week three. That's kind of like the that's the new yeah. week four. You know, the old week four where it was just like the bubble guys playing, trying to make that the last couple roster spots. There's no sense in playing DJ in that game against the Jets. You would think it would have to be Friday night home against the Panthers. DJ, if he's going to play a couple series. So are we going to see DJ, Dan? What's your gut say? I, it's it's tough to say because that extra week off really kind of does change things. But you, you're right. I, I do tend to agree with you that it, it would probably be the best in the best interest of the Giants as a team to if they're going to play their starters, do it in this game. I would. It, I will tell you though, if it were, if they were playing the Jets this week and the Panthers next week, I may not agree with that because historically, that preseason game between the Giants and Jets gets ugly about 97% of the time. Yeah. And yeah. there are, there are a lot of injuries that take place in that game because one of the teams takes it far more seriously than one of the other <laughs> teams. And I'll let you figure out which of those teams treats it like a Super Bowl, which of them treats it like a preseason game. So, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, if they're going to sit some, some of their starters, I'd much prefer it be against the jets. And that just happens to be their final preseason game this year. So as far as the starters playing, if they're going to play, it's probably going to be this game where they see the most amount of time with maybe a couple of them sprinkled in against the Jets. But again, I would highly caution against that because one of those teams takes it entirely too serious. <laughs> All right. Well, so let's leave it here. Uh, you know, aside from hoping some of the starters play and we could see DJ throw some passes to Waller, that would be kind of fun. 
Uh, anything else you're watching for in particular, Dan, in preseason game number two uh, for Giants Wire when you guys you know get into your coverage bunker for that one? Anything you're watching? Oh, it's tough to tell because you don't really know who's playing, but assuming that all things are even, uh, obviously I want to keep an eye on the return situation. If Gary Brightwell comes back from his injury, I want to see if he gets an opportunity over Eric Gray. If he doesn't, that kind of indicates that Eric Gray is going to be that guy, and that puts Brightwell uh, firmly on the roster bubble at that point. Um, I, I, you know, Maybe that's where the Giants get one of their extra numbers by only carrying three running backs. James Robinson doesn't look like the guy right now. Um, I'd like to see Tyrod Taylor get some extended time um, on the field. Uh, he, he's a good player. You've heard me say it on this podcast before. I think he'd be starting in the NFL right now if he wasn't in the position he's in. He didn't get his lung blown up by a, a team doctor a couple years ago. Unbelievable story, yeah. Uh, so things, things would be a little different for him right now. Um, really enjoying looking at the safeties right now, not just McKinney, but outside of McKinney, you got Pinnock, who is just dominating. He's just dominating right now. He's awesome. Uh, Dane Belton, who's playing strong. Bobby McCain with the veteran experience, good against the run. Uh, the rookie Owens is playing well. He's flashing at times. Even Alex Cook has had his moments. So it's pretty interesting at safety right now. Uh, I like a lot of what I'm seeing there. I want to see more from you know the depth at cornerback. They really need some of these guys to step up. Um, doesn't really matter who it is at this point. One of them needs to step up. Um, outside linebacker is another interesting position. You got Zimenez, who kind of got eaten up in the run game against the run last week. Didn't look particularly good. Tamon Fox had a nice pressure that led to an interception. Um, it's an interesting battle for the role behind Kayvon Thibodeau there. I obviously want to see something from Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, there's been some rumblings that he's underperforming in camp practices this year. Uh, he did come on strong during the joint practice against the Lions. Want to see him out on on the field, see where he's at. You know, they're going to rely heavily on him this year and Ojolari, assuming he can stay healthy. And, uh, yeah, basically beyond that, it's kind of the same. More than anything else, I just want to see health. Don't want to see any other starters get injured. I want Joe Shane and the Giants to have those really difficult roster decisions when the time comes. I don't want them to be decided by injury. The Giants aren't deep enough to have that problem right now anyway, so – Health is really the biggest key, along with some of those other things that I touched on. Another thing, you know, a lot of fans aren't going to be paying attention to, but is important. I want to see Jamie Gillen continue to improve his hang time. I want him to, you know, Thomas McGay, he said it best. You want him to match his hang time with his distance. So if it's 45 yards, you want it to hang up there for 4.5 seconds. So curious to see if he's able to improve that before the regular season starts as well, because that's going to be key for the Giants this year. So to answer the question, Dan Benton is watching everything including the freaking punter. Yeah, I know. You're 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 everything, Dan. Just so just you should have said everything. <laughs> Could have saved yourself. But no, that was great. That was awesome. So, hey man, it's it was cool. The lucky, the lucky thing is is we've got a bunch of different eyes that we can assign to those different things at Giants Wire. So For sure. Yeah. You kind of get you kind of get the full spread of the coverage and and not guys just watching, you know, trying to watch everything and then that's kind of when you when you lose your ability to evaluate in real time, which listen, Giants Wire, we did that last week, but I think Everybody did that last week with the Deontay Banks play where everyone kind of initially thought he got beat deep. And turns out he didn't get beat deep so much. He actually made a really good play on the ball. Um, so, But that happens in real-time coverage. You know, when everything's yep. bang-banging, you're immediately on to the next play. Sometimes, sometimes you do miss things, and that's where the film review comes in. Yeah, it's fun. You guys do a great job on Giants Wire. Someone, uh, I don't know if John Fennelly will want the job of uh, clocking, getting the stopwatch out on the, on the hang time for Gillian, but we'll... Uh... You guys will figure it out. You always do. You, you guys always figure out the uh, 
the coverage on Giants. I, I miss. I got to be honest. I, I miss the hang time clock they used to have on. I broadcast. know that was they, old. They were, that was old they school. Need, they need. Yeah, I'm dating myself. They need to bring that back though. A lot of people <laughs> listen to this podcast are like, "What in the hell is he talking about?" Yeah, but, yeah. Modern day yeah, football fans that. don't care about special teams at all. Right, the kickoff, <laughs> the punt return, the punt. Yeah. None of that matters in the game anymore. Yeah, you know, they need to. They need to bring that back. That was a staple of coverage when I was younger. You <laughs> always knew what the hang time was of a punt. Yeah, that. Yeah, that was definitely fun watching the hang time. And then you know. The, the higher the hang time, the the more likely it was that the return man would get crushed. You know what I mean? So that yeah, was pretty much yeah, it because yeah. there was a lot less fair catches back then, too. Uh, yeah. So good time. So, hey, man, it was fun. It was fun talking preseason football with you, man. Uh, and uh, we're just one step closer to the real stuff, man. Cowboys week one. Oh, are you kidding me? How great is that? Yeah, I can't wait. Actually, the next time, I, I believe the next time we're on this podcast, we're going to be preparing for that game. So. Yeah, we are. So, yeah. So just a quick. Yeah. yeah just a quick editing note is. uh it's my fault because I have a family vacation uh, coming up here. This is just the only month with my full-time job I can take any time off. Dan is August. So, and you know, you can only, you can only beat your head against the wall with the preseason so much. Uh, so I'm going to be on vacation next week. And then I'm moving to Minneapolis the week after that. So, uh, which is super random, but my wife got a new job, Dan. So the next time we talk, I will be in Minnesota and we'll be breaking down We'll be wrapping up the training, the end of training camp preseason, I should say, wrapping up the preseason stuff and previewing Giants Cowboys right that week of Labor Day. That'll be our our next show. So uh, and I'll be in Minnesota. So that'll be different. That'll be new. <laughs> I'll be actually I'm anxious to hear how you handle the winter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I keep my dad. Uh, my dad says the same thing. So I'm going to on a really cold winter day. I'm going to try to go out there in my underwear see how long I could stand out there and, and kind of give him the finger or something. You know what I mean? Just to show him that I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of the cold, but uh, let's be honest. I'm there. I'm definitely terrified about the cold. And that's what everyone keeps bringing up about Minnesota. And even when on that Netflix show that's following Kirk cousins around every shot they give you of Minneapolis was just frozen, solid snow yeah. ice. So it's like, Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. Well, the, the giants wire uh, listeners and readers will get to live that with us as you experience it. So that'll be a fun little, fun little sidebar to the upcoming season. For sure. So uh, for the latest in coverage of this second preseason game here, again, coming up against the Panthers, make sure you're, you're hitting uh, giants wire. Dan and the crew will have all that covered. We'll be back in a couple weeks to start talking giants. Cowboys week one. Cannot wait for that. So for Dan, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We'll catch you soon. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.